Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and we put a little flyer just to remind you about that. And um, I would just like to uh, just pause for just a moment and pray about that topic. And would you just be praying to the Lord, too, if there's something in on that topic that stirs your soul? Lord, we ask for, first off, for forgiveness as a nation that would take a stance concerning your little ones the way we do. Forgive us for that, Lord. We ask God for you to move your hand on behalf of decision makers that they might take a stand for righteousness. Lord, we pray over little ones and we ask for protection upon them. And God, I want to talk to you about mamas who have a broken heart when we talk about this topic because of, because of their past. We ask God for the, the absolute perfect forgiving that only happens because of you. Lord, that your work would be complete and thorough and that, Lord, just as your word promises us, those things will be removed and remembered no more as far as the east is from the west. God, we pray that um, little ones everywhere, especially in this country, would be, would be valued the way you value them in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're in a, uh, we're in a four-week uh, series on the topic of better, and um, I want you to know that after service, the, these, uh, we've got these bookmarks to give to you if you want one. There's a basket out there in the foyer, and I think we've probably got a little under 100, so if we run out, sorry, we'll have some more for you next week. But these have the four scriptures from the four uh, sermons, and they're free. Just go help yourself to one. It's pretty cool. Better, 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 better. 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 <laughs> Yeah, so they're out there. Um, tomorrow also is the birth date of um, Martin Luther King Jr. And although it's our kind of our policy here, we never present any person but Jesus Christ here. Um, I want to make a comment or two about that because Martin Luther King Jr. is a is a he's a hero of mine, and he wasn't always. I didn't really understand an awful lot about the man um, until later in my life and realized the kind of hardship that he faced in order to stand for righteousness the way he did. Um, it, pretty remarkable. And then Lisa and I eventually had the opportunity when we were at Atlanta at one point to go visit his, his uh, home, um, his childhood home and, and a church where he pastored there. The, the childhood home is now actually a national park. And, um, and it's pretty interesting. But he made a lot of, um, made a lot of change happen that uh, was really good and very, at a very difficult time in our nation's history. But he said some remarkable things. Here's two quick ones that I picked out of a huge list of things that he said that I, that I respect. One on forgiveness and one on faith. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a permanent attitude. That's pretty good. And this one on faith, the belief that God will do ed- everything for man is as untenable as the belief that man can do everything for himself. It, too, is based on a lack of faith. We must learn that to expect God to do everything while we do nothing is not faith, but superstition. He stretches me, still, and it's, it's good that he does that. Well, today... Um, Today's the 20th, and you know like me, I like to make a quick pass through Proverbs, so here's a, a one more thing, and then we'll be into today's message. Proverbs, today, today I picked the night, uh, verse 19. Whoever goes around as a gossip tells secrets. Do not associate with a person whose mouth is always open. Welcome back to the Research Labs of Better. Let's join Martin and Julie again on their first date. Um, I'll have the dinner salad. Could I get the crab cakes, a side of broccoli, and a clove of garlic as an appetizer? Thanks. So where were we?
Hmm. Apparently looking for a breezy evening. Let's see what it looks like with better. Um, I'll have the dinner salad. I'll have the same. So where were we? When life hands you choices, choose better. Ding. I like that too. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. Or better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. That was last week. Um, how many of you are believing for a better year this year? And the rest of you are hoping for something worse, right? Huh? So <laughs> believing for better. I mean, how many of you, are, you don't have to answer to this question. I'm one every time. But how many of you have decisions that come up? or that you're facing, or even today that you're facing, that are pretty important and you really like to make the decision well. You hope that what you do decide now really proves down road um, that it'll help. Like, for example, if you're younger and you're thinking, you know, college, where should I go? What should I study when I get there? Or you're dating and you're thinking, should I date this person? Should I not? Should I get more serious? Should I take it to another level? If we get married, should we get married? If we get married, when should we do that? Where should we live? Do we buy a house? Do we rent? Do we have kids? Do we get rid of the kids we have? Do we move? What? <laughs> do, do, we, uh, do, do we both work? Do we, one of us not work? Do we work to pay off the debt or do we work to buy another car? I mean, what? Well, obviously we buy a car. I'm, I, um, maybe not. I don't know. Do we stay at home? I mean, what, what do we do? Should we get out of debt? Should we get a cat? Just saying. Or should we get a dog? (laughs) Okay, that's enough. So... So as we go through this today, um, here's your key thought that I want you to, to, to use as a background for what we develop, and that's this. We make our decisions, and our decisions then make us. Let's, in fact, let's read that together. We make our decisions, and our decisions make us. In other words, you, you are today the result of the decisions that you've made in the past. The decisions that you're making today will determine who you are in the future. Wow, we're going to take a look today at a better way to make decisions in order to better honor God. Um, there was, there's, a, there's a story in the Old Testament that really was, it may have been the one that impacted me the absolute most when I was first reading the Word of God. And um, here's the deal, Solomon had just been anointed to become king over Israel. And the tradition then was that when you became anointed to be the king, you would sacrifice a bull as an act of worship, showing your reverence for God, and it was the tradition that you do it. And Solomon didn't sacrifice one bull. He didn't sacrifice five bulls. He didn't sacrifice ten. He didn't sacrifice a hundred. The word says that he sacrificed a thousand animals. I mean, this guy went over the top, making an extravagant demonstration of honor and um, in his offering to God. And, and that night, I don't know why God did this. You can only guess, but God shows up to Solomon and he says, hey, what do you want? 
I mean, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit. He says, he says one thing, whatever you want, tell me. I'm going to give it to you. Wow. Think about that for a moment. God is saying, what do you want, Terry? I'd have to think about that for a minute. I mean, I mean, and when I was a kid, I thought, well, I could outsmart a question like that. If I ever had the genie in the bottle kind of a deal, I would say, well, more wishes, right? No, that's not, that doesn't count. You can't have more wishes. One thing. By the way, you can never outsmart God by tricking him, right? Like that. One thing. What would it be? You know, a lot of people, I think, would say money or power or fame. Maybe you're single and you're thinking, you know, I'd like a really godly husband or a smoking hot wife. I got that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe you're married and you take this really seriously because you can't have kids and you say, I'd like a son or a daughter. Or maybe you've been battling cancer or something or, and you say, God, I'd just like to be healed or my friend or my loved one to be healed. Imagine if God asked you, you can have one thing, name it. What would it be? What would you want? That's what God did with Solomon. What an amazing moment. In 2 Chronicles, here's the story. Uh, verses, uh, 2 Chronicles 1.10, it says, Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Wow, an unexpected answer. Anything you want, Solomon, you can have anything you want. And, and good old Saul asks for wisdom and knowledge. Evidently, that answer really moved God. Because if you follow on in, along in the story, God basically says to him, you know, you could have asked for money, you could have asked for fame, you could have asked for me to kill your enemies. Instead, you asked for, for wisdom. And not only am I going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give all those other things as well. And Solomon then went on to say more about wisdom than anybody else in this entire word. Over and over and over again, we get, we get Solomon saying the phrase that I've been using through this series, wisdom is better. Wisdom is better. I'm going to give you a couple of quick examples, and then we'll look at our memory verse for today. He said, wisdom is better than the weapons of war. Now, for a king in his time, that was a pretty huge statement because the power of your weapons determined your ability to hold on to your kingdom, so it meant whether you could keep being king. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. He said, wisdom is better than strength. We see that in Ecclesiastes 9. There's so many, I, I, I need to move on. Our memory verse today is uh, Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold to choose understanding rather than sil Silver. And I can't overstate what a big, big deal this is. He took what at that time is true, and it may be true today. He took what was the number one most valuable commodity in the world, gold, and said, wisdom is better than that. Better than that. He said, he's basically saying, wisdom is better than that thing that everybody else wants. Because if you have enough money, you can buy your power. If you have enough money, you can buy protection from your enemies. He said, what, what everybody really wants to have, wisdom is better. So um, everybody read this together with me. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. Again, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. One more time. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. I was uh, just a, a teenager... Um, basically a, an absolute baby Christian, 
basically younger than the entire adult world. And um, this scripture just gripped me. And I thought, you know, I need wisdom. Terry, you need wisdom. You know, you really do. So I decided at that point that it was going to be, I was going to pursue God and especially I was going to seek after wisdom. And so, you know, I would be reading the Bible and, you know, I was pretty fanatic about it. And I was reading my Bible every day and, and I discovered this book called Proverbs. And of course, you know, Proverbs is also called the Book of Wisdom. And uh, it's got 31 chapters in it. And we've talked about that here because we always start our, our messages with, with a proverb that we dip into. There's 31 chapters. And if you just read one chapter every day, you can read the whole book in a month. And uh, for me, that's been my habit is I would every day on top of my Bible reading for the day, in addition to my Bible reading, I would read an entire chapter, whatever the date was. So I've read the book of wisdom time after time, so many times. I wish I could tell you I caught it all, but it has a profound impact. How many times I'll be facing some circumstance in life and up comes floating this proverb that I've read umpteen times that says, Terry, wise people hold their tongue. Sometimes it's hard to do, but I want to be a wise person and because I realized I, I, I needed wisdom. And, you know, I, I talk to people and I hear things from them, and you've probably heard this too. It's kind of kind of come across like a catchphrase. You ask people my age or older, if they could go back and change something in their life, what would they do? And you hear this answer. They'll say, if I knew now what I knew then, I'd do, do things differently. If you get wisdom and you make decisions, not using the wisdom of the world, which the Bible calls foolishness, by the way. But you make your decisions based on the wisdom and the heart of God. Over a period of years and decades, you're going to find that you, you can actually move from what could be an average and mundane life to an impactful influence. And you can influence generations for the glory of God if you get wisdom. And I I think for some of us, you know, that's what we need right now more than anything else. You know, if your marriage isn't going well and you're thinking we're in trouble, you need relational wisdom. If if you're financially messed up and your bills aren't being paid and and, uh, you feel like you're sinking, you need financial wisdom. If you have teenagers, you just need wisdom, right? (laughs) If you're trying to make important decisions... You just need some wisdom. Here's what Solomon said in Proverbs 4, verse 7. He said, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. You want to glorify God? If you want to make a difference? If you want to not just take up space and accumulate stuff that's all going to burn someday anyway, you need to get wisdom. And what I love that's implied about this, that's true, is this. You can get it. You can actually get it. He's not saying go get something that's impossible to attain. He's saying, you know, it's, it's not like God saying, I'm going to give you wisdom, but you, sorry. No, no, no wisdom for you. That's not what God is saying. He's saying, get it. It's attainable. You can have it. In fact, he's saying it's so much better to get that than gold or even silver. And it could cost you anything. It can cost you money. It can cost you time. People will make fun of you. Go get it anyway because it's going to transform your life. Go get wisdom. And if you watch Solomon as he talks about this topic, he's always contrasting the wise from the foolish. 
I mean, it's, it's sometimes feels silly and maybe a little bit entertaining, um, but he says, don't be a fool, be wise. And because here's the problem. Fools don't always know when they're being fools, do they? I mean, think about it. I mean, <laughs> we do things sometimes. We don't realize it's foolish until we can come back later through the lens of, 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 of more wisdom and look backwards. Um, have you ever noticed that? No? Well, I'm going to fess up over a couple of things. I mean, a lot of us do some foolish things, and we don't even know it. So I, I, think, I, I think, oh, honey, can I have that bag? Thanks. So I'm not proud of this. <laughs> And I hope you'll come back to church again next year after I show you this. Or next week, yeah. Next year, too. So, okay, so this is, this is a legacy. Um, this is from something I owned and used when I was in high school. Can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> okay, go ahead and laugh at me and get it out of your system, Okay. Okay, I, I've shown this to a few people, and they say, oh, you should wear those. And I'm thinking, you know, the height involved, I could fall and get killed. It could break my neck. So this was really cool in 1977. <laughs> you have a pair of these, Nathan? No, you got rid of yours? You buried them? You know, I've kept these because it's a reminder to me about what we think is wise and righteous and cool, how it can change so um, but listen, I, I, you know, this, if I wore this today, people would look at me and say, what is, who's that fool? Wouldn't they, wouldn't they, they would look at me and say those kinds of things. They're actually quite cool. <laughs> but I also think Hawaiian shirts are cool too. So, but listen, just so that you know, this isn't all just me doing things in the past that are of question. I want to show you a picture. <laughs> Where is a disco ball when you need one? <laughs> yeah, yes. Okay, in fairness to big hair everywhere, she's hot. That's all I can say about that. How many of you sometimes you act before you think? I mean, have you ever, I mean, you act before you think. How many of us sometimes we spend everything we have? How many of us sometimes we occasionally, we ever occasionally hurt somebody? You don't mean to, but sometimes you occasionally hurt somebody that you love. Sometimes, maybe, how many of us could raise our hand, don't do it? Sometimes you're full of pride, too much full of pride, that you don't ask for help when you should. If you do any of those things I just listed off, the Bible says you're a fool. Wow. It says get wisdom. It says get wisdom. You don't even know it. You're doing these things sometimes, and the Bible says that's what a fool does. It says get wisdom. Here's what Scripture says, and maybe hearing this will help us posture to be wise people. If it's, scripture says that fools act before they think. We see this in Proverbs 13. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't, and even brag about their foolishness by showing people their crazy shoes. So I just bragged about my foolishness. Wasn't that something? See how that's true? They act before they think. A second thing that, that fools do is they spend all that they earn. Proverbs 21.20 says this, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. He eats it, he devours it, he spends it all. Well, everybody else does. 
well, everybody else is foolish. Okay, so another thing that, that fools, fools hurt those that they love. Proverbs 14.1 says this, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. She belittles them, or she nags, or she controls, or he's domineering, or he's angry. The foolish hurt those that they love. Fools think, here's another one, they think they know it all. Proverbs 12, 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. How much better to get wisdom than gold? Scripture, that's our scripture for the day, to choose understanding rather than silver. It's better than the most valuable thing in the world. Get it. And understanding is, is, is supreme. Get it. Though it costs you all that you have. I, I just pray that as we're kind of laughing about this today, that something will take root and barb hook up in your heart and that you'll get this because if you get wisdom, it will change the trajectory of your life. It will change the trajectory. You know, if you make decisions that are not based upon a list of pros and cons, if you, if you make uh, decisions that are not based upon the wisdom of this world, which we've talked about, the Bible says is foolishness, but instead based upon the heart of God, the wisdom in the heart of God. And I know a lot of us are saying, okay, well, how do I get it? How do I get, okay, Terry, I heard it. You said get it, get it. Okay, how do I do it? The Bible's so clear on that topic, it's almost scary. It's very, very clear. And there's, uh, there, are, there are three very direct verses, and they make it incredibly clear how easy it is for us to get wisdom. So um, let's do that. Before anything else, wisdom starts with the fear of God. We should fear God. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Does that mean we walk around spooked, wondering that, oh no, is God going to strike me down today? Is he grumpy? Is he going to get me? That's not what that word means. This Old Testament concept of fearing God is what we're saying. It's a holy awe, a reverential awe. It's not being afraid of. It's a level of respect that goes to the point of worshiping. A reverential awe, like just childlike. And, you know, I don't know what so many of us are afraid of. I mean, I think when we make decisions, sometimes we're afraid of rejection. What are people going to think? Or we're afraid of failure. What if I don't succeed? What if I don't make it? Then what we're supposed to do is live with this reverential awe because that's what a holy fear of God is. I'm really convinced that one of the biggest problems with our culture today is that we've become a little bit overly familiar, maybe too over-familiar with a very holy God, way too casual. You know, you hear comments like this, and I don't think people always mean it this way, but there's this casual sense, enough that it's comfortable to them to say, you know, hey, I'm cool with the big guy in the sky, you know, or the big man upstairs, or, you know. But the thing is, when we read Scripture, there is nothing in here that tells us that we're to approach God that way. There's nothing in there that gives us that kind of license. You know, hey, God and I are cool, and, you know, I'm going to do the things I want. I was baptized when I, when I went up to God, God and I are cool. He understands me. It'll be fine. The, the thing is that, that I think that if God's presence was, presence was actually here, if his presence was with, was with us in its absolute fullest form, I don't know if you could utter a noise. I don't know if you'd be able to see anything because probably you'd be wanting to press yourself so hard into the carpet out of awe. Because God is holy. 
He is righteous. He is pure love. He is sinless. It just would be overwhelmingly good. So much that the casual, palish approach sometimes would just not even, you know, I mean, and we wouldn't give a rip about what people think. I don't think you would care what people, you know, if the presence of the Lord was there, you wouldn't care if people cared whether you were laying on the floor or not. They'd have their own (laughs) thing going on with the presence of God. And I don't think you'd care about anything except I have got to please God. And that, that is the beginning of wisdom. That is the beginning of wisdom. Suddenly, all of the decisions that I make take on this eternal weight. You know, how does this thing I'm planning to do glorify God? How, how does this lead other people to him? How does, if I do this, how is it going to make me more like his son, Jesus? It starts with the fear of the Lord. Because there are fools all over this world that are not smart enough to fear him. And um, if you start to fear him, you're going to want to praise him, and it starts with the fear of God. Second thing is, uh, Scripture says that we should ask God. If you want wisdom, ask him for it. And this one's very simple and very direct. We see this in James 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. And how does God give? Who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. You need wisdom, what do you do? You ask him. I mean, I can't even begin to estimate how many times I've asked the Lord for wisdom. I mean, I do it all day long. Remember week one of this series, we talked about better is one day in your courts, Lord, uh, than a thousand elsewhere. And we talked about these short bursts of communication going on between us and God all the time. Little, little commentary all day long. You know, God, give me wisdom. God, guide me. God, um, you know, this person, should I reach out to them? I just need wisdom, Lord. Um, I feel like you want me to do this. Is that you, God? And um, over and over, all day long, hearing his voice, ask him, ask him, ask him, ask him for wisdom. You know, you don't have to go to Dear Abby or Ann Landers. Did, did Dear Abby pass away this week? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's entertaining to read that. I mean, I grew up and it was in the newspaper. I don't even know where it is anymore. Um, I guess it's her daughter. But it was interesting to read and you'd see these wild things going on out there that would be discussed, you know, but ask God, don't ask Dear Abby, don't go to Cosmo Magazine for your advice. Okay, so ask God. You fear him, you ask him, and then you, the third thing is you hang out with wise people. You want to be, be wise? Hang out with wise people. I mean, you want to be adult, then you should hang out with foolish people. I mean, that's, that's another choice too. Scripture says, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. If you run with fools, you'll, you'll be one. If you, want, if you want to be wise, then hang out with wise people. And the thing is that if you do that, it can cost you something. So sometimes we don't do it because, you know, when Lisa and I were first getting married, I had emerged from, um, Mom, put your fingers in your ears and go, la, 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 la. So, you know, I had emerged from a, a, a little bit more partying than I should have been, right? That's being charitable with myself. Is that, is that okay? Probably not okay. I was partying more than I should have been. And... Um, you know, remembering, you know, as he who walks with a wise grows wise, and he who w- walks with fools becomes foolish. Okay, so that's my frame of reference. And so we're about to get married, and um, I'm reading this and learning these things for the first time. It's fresh, and I'm emerging from this, <laughs> this partying background. And um, 
I'm thinking to myself, I'm chuckling about this now because it was kind of wild. I, I said to the guy who was my closest friend and who was going to be my best man in my marriage, in my wedding, I said, do not use this as the reason now for the next in a line of keggers, right? You don't know what a kegger is. <laughs> Bob, will you tell them all after church what a kegger is? Thanks. <laughs> so, um, sorry, Bob. <laughs> Forgive me for that. I know you don't know. I'll explain it to you later. Sometime when we're praying together or something. So I said to my friend, don't do this. But I knew full well that's what he was going to do. I said, if you do this, I'm not coming. I didn't go to my bachelor party. Oh, wah, Terry, wah, wah. I mean, <laughs> but I didn't go to the thing because I was just really trying to walk with the wise and I knew what was going to happen there. And I thought, I, I got to stop that. I've got to cut that off in my life. It's costing me something. And all of my friends laughed at me. Oh, goody two shoes. You know, all this stuff that was going on. They laughed. They didn't care whether I was there or not. To them, it was just, you know, another kegger with a label, Terry's bachelor party. Um, but I didn't go. But I just read this scripture and I was this new Christian and I wanted to be wise. And um, I also know what that decision did for me. It established this baseline that I had decided I was going to honor the Lord. And it did honor God. And God honored me through that. I don't know how, but I know at times, you know, and I'm not saying to you that what you do is you abandon all of your friends if they're foolish, but I'm saying you also find some smart people and hang out with them. Hang out with wise people. It will change your, your trajectory. And the, the problem is that if you bring out, if, excuse me, if you hang out all the time with broken people and you're getting advice all the time from broken people, what are you going to be? You're going to be broken. You will. That's what scripture teaches. If, you, if, you're, if, if, if all of your friends have completely messed up marriages, don't expect to have a great marriage yourself when the only example you have is messed up marriages. You've got to be around people where there's wisdom. And, you know, this, this principle seems so simple when you're a parent because you look at your children and you think, oh, I'm going to be careful about who I let them be friends with because I want them to be friends with the right kind of people because it makes a big difference. Right, parents? I mean, you know that. It's, it's so true. There's no question about the wisdom and the truth of this, this principle when you look at your own children. But for some reason, as adults, we want to give ourselves a pass. We do. We do. We just want to give ourselves a pass. I was, uh, I've told you before a little bit about my time right before I came into ministry. I was working for this big, huge corporation and, and uh, pretty young, making quite a lot of money, more than I should have been making. And they, you know, the Lord was blessing that time and it was successful. And the company that I was working for just, they didn't mind throwing money around and, and um, there was a lot of rewards and bonuses. I mean, they would, they would do things like, hey, great job last quarter. Take this day next week and... You know, like one day I, they, 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 I hopped on an airplane at SeaTac early in the morning, flew down to San Francisco, was picked up by a limousine, taken down to the waterfront in San Francisco, put on a yacht, rode around in the afternoon in San Francisco Bay, having this big gourmet meal cooked for me and a handful of people with this live quartet playing music on the back and the breeze was going back in the limousine, back there, home by nighttime. Another time, same thing, flew down to Los Angeles, picked up in a limo, private tour of Universal Studios, lunch at this place called Fun. I mean, I mean, just throw money like crazy. I mean, they, they would do these kinds of things. And 
I heard from wisdom what I thought from the Lord saying to me, hey, time to get off of this. I want you to step out of this because I've, I'm going to take you somewhere. I'm going to take you someplace different. I'm going to change your, your, your pathway. And so I started talking to the people that were in relationship with me, and some of them were my overseers and bosses, said, hey, I think I need to resign. Crazy kind of talk, right? I mean, they were handing me money like crazy. One of my bosses sat down with me while I was in this decision-making process, and out of the blue, she says, you really ought not to do this. You might end up working at a church. Come on, really, a church? Don't throw your life away. Oh, by the way, she shoves this envelope across the table. What's this? Oh, just appreciate you. It was $5,000. That was 1985. That's over $10,000 today. It was, it was, in my mind, the equivalent of it's a wonderful life, right? Okay. Mr. Potter has just invited George Bailey in for a visit. And he says, hey, I want you to manage all of my affairs. I'm going to give you a big, huge salary. Maybe once a year you'll go on a trip to New York. Maybe every couple of years you and your wife will go to Europe. Remember that scene? I know we're past Christmas and I shouldn't be mentioning Christmas anymore, right? But remember that scene? It was, it was this plan that was meant to derail the pathway that he should have been on. And it was a great bribe. I said, what's this for? Oh, we just appreciate you. No strings attached. I thought, no, if this is a bribe, no strings attached is going to my bank account. And I took the money, but I still quit. <laughs> I'm no fool, right? But in that process, I asked some of the most godly people I knew. My father, who I miss like crazy, and, and I said, hey, I'm, I think I'm supposed to resign from this job that pays me all this money and my future is sealed and blah, blah, blah. It's really good, but I feel like I'm supposed to. And every one of these, I've talked to three really godly people that I trust. All of them said, this makes no earthly sense, but it's God. You know, I had my father, you know, fathers will say things to you, you know, that are very, very good. And my father said to me, you know, you're gifted. You probably can succeed at whatever you want to do, Terry, but... You have to decide if this is what God wants because if you can do those other things and please God doing them, then do them. But if he's calling you to do something and to be something else, no amount of money is going to fix the problems that are created. So I said no. So we, we leave this position and we go into ministry and here's our circumstances in ministry. Here's how badly this didn't make sense according to the world. Our salary dropped to under 25% of what we had been making right before then. I had two babies, and Lisa was pregnant. Now, you know how you get used to living on your income, right? So we're used to living on our income. It's now reduced by 75%, and my wife's pregnant. So that sounds pretty smart to us, doesn't it? I mean, it was crazy. And we made a decision, though. And that decision made us. That decision made us. Went against every bit of worldly wisdom, but I'm here to tell you today, it's the wisdom of the heart of God that allows me to do the things that I do. And I want with everything that's in me for you to be wise enough to get this. It's there for you. Get wisdom. I'm suggesting to you not to sell out to the stupid things of the world or you're never going to get wisdom if you do that. Go get a good marriage. You know, you might think, I'm always going to be broke. Don't buy into that. Get wisdom. Pursue the wisdom, not the money. 
get the wisdom, you might get the money too. That's how it worked out for Solomon. I mean, I don't know. But don't go pursue money, pursue wisdom. God wants to give wisdom to you. He says to fear him, to ask him, and hang out with wise people. Give that a shot and see where that will take you over the time. How much better to get wisdom than gold to choose understanding rather than silver? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your heart would become our heart.